0: If you're like most mission-driven professionals that I know, your relationship to work and your career have changed since the pandemic began. I'm Jen Walker-Wall, career strategist, resume writer, and founder of work Wonders Careers. This season, we're talking to mission-driven professionals to hear how their relationship to work, careers, and ambition have changed over the past couple of years. I hope you'll join us. Welcome to Reimagining Ambition. Welcome back to Reimagining Ambition. I am so grateful to our listeners and it is such a joy to see those download numbers go up week after week. So I really just want to take a minute and thank you for being here. If you're enjoying what you're hearing and you'd like other mission-driven professionals to hear these stories, it would be amazing if you would consider rating and reviewing our podcasts. It turns out that having a podcast is like 10% interviewing people and 90% asking people to please rate and leave a review. And trust me, no one is more sorry about that than me. But I can tell you that it really makes a difference, and I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I'm doing my best to tell these stories in a somewhat linear fashion, and it's tricky. I've interviewed over 20 people. I'm relying on their memory, which is inherently and notoriously imperfect. But this week, we are picking up in the late spring and early summer of 2020. You might remember this phase as the new normal. When I say since the pandemic, I'm not just talking about the pandemic. I'm thinking about everything that's happened since 2020. Seeing those long lines of people looking for food, Trump's presidency, evictions, watching George Floyd's murder on television. Black Lives Matter protests, an extremely stressful election season. These are just some of the things that we all collectively experienced or watched happen over the last couple of years. And I'm thinking about what it means to continue working in a pandemic with childcare challenges, tensions at work and in the workforce, the ongoing threat of COVID. There are just so many very real crises unfolding, not just one after another, but often simultaneously. Just this past week I saw a TikTok of a retail worker in California. She was standing in the store where she worked watching the floodwaters rise while she was wearing a mask. And it was just this really profound and striking video where I was watching her deal with these multiple crises by wearing the mask and the the floodwaters coming in. Our collective experience may have started in 2020, but that's sure not when it stopped. And in the spring and summer of 2020, many people were hopeful that things were headed in a better direction. The new normal was positioned as an opportunity to regain some aspects of our life, but it was a lot more complicated than that.
1: When daycare opened back up again, and oh my God, we were so happy. Like I know I heard some moms saying like, oh, I cried when I dropped my kid off. I think at that point it was just constant that feeling of burnout. But then there was a looming fear of the daycare closures. we didn't have a vaccine at that point so it's like oh my god does someone have COVID? oh my god like and people didn't know the implications either people had said that you know children and babies didn't
0: get severe but i didn't know the demands at work were starting to feel never-ending
2: there was a meme i remember seeing that was still from the titanic where the band is playing and they're like therapists teaching breathing techniques to clients right now and that's what it felt like it's like i'm just like throwing stuff at the wall hoping that something will help. It was so painful and so heavy in a way that I don't think anybody could have taught me how to deal with. I had a lot of angst, like, oh, social work school didn't do anything for me. None of my supervisors prepared me for this, but who could have?
0: After the layoff, we had even fewer people to do the same amount of work because the client churn that we thought was going to happen didn't really come to fruition once some of this uncertainty came out and we never hired back up. And so suddenly work started to grow again and we didn't have enough people being overworked, underheard. Things didn't feel sustainable and it just didn't feel like the leadership was listening or shared, quite frankly.
1: I noticed I think looking back, like a lot of the folks that we were hiring on were younger. You had people messaging at all hours now because some people like with having to teach from home or do virtual learning, they would have to make up the time. We actually had billable hours at that company. And so you had to account for the time. And so people would be working a bit in the evening to try and make up time. And I noticed some of the younger folks, like these were straight out of college. They would start to work later hours too. sometimes even like 11 o'clock at night. I would see some people messaging on Slack. And I tried to be that voice to say like, hey, like you need to set up a boundary because no one's going to set it for you. So I think they're seeing like senior leadership, especially the ones who have kids, like trying to work, like just to juggle as best they could with their other commitments and thinking they had to do that, too. I would see people like drive themselves into the ground, like thinking that they need to work like later at night just because like they had no frame of reference.
0: While many office workers continued their remote work, organizations had a lot of return to the office plans that were up in the air, causing stress and uncertainty.
3: A lot of us are renters because we're a pretty young company and we were like, we need to know immediately like what is going to happen. Some landlords, like my previous landlord, I was in a different apartment at the time, asked like by April if one of us was going to stay like me and my roommates. And like some people ask in like January, February, March, up to May. Otherwise, they just start showing an apartment. And I think for people who, you know, we're trying to figure out if we could work remotely, it means saving thousands of dollars on potentially like finding a new apartment, like first month, first and last, like security, maybe like a broker's fee, like depending or staying in your apartment. And some of the people we worked with were privileged to have like A second home to go to where they didn't have to worry about these decisions. Where a lot of us were like, we don't have a second home to go to. Some people couldn't go home because of people who were really at risk of like getting COVID, or even people who were part of the LGBTQ community who couldn't go home because their families didn't support their identity. And I think just our leadership didn't really understand those challenges. And I really had to communicate that to my boss at the time of like, look, this is a real problem that a lot of us like are struggling with and your leadership, you're kind of like handling this in a shitty way where it's going to, excuse my language, like go over because you're delaying a decision that's impacting people's
0: livelihoods. And then there was everything that was happening outside of work.
4: So I went into labor on the night of May 25th, 2020, which I then later found out was the night that George Floyd was murdered. And so... Not only did I come home from the hospital having given birth to a child, but really found the world had shifted again because of that. And I live in D.C. And so, you know, there was also the different protests going on and Trump pepper spraying protesters. So sort of watching all of this happen from the couch, holding my newborn and realizing also that many of my students of color were going to be extremely affected by this
3: i would say a really trying time was like when george floyd happened i knew people cared at the job to check in on me and my walnuts for george floyd but i was getting over flooded on like linkedin like have whatever twitter for work whatever and like messages and people just checking in on like george floyd and all this stuff
0: 2020 wasn't just about covid it was parents struggling to balance the demands of work with childcare. It was before we had a vaccine. It was the murder of George Floyd. It was a summer of protest. And it was, I'm sure you remember, an election year. And there was some part of me, you know, as a self employed person, especially, that braced myself for business to slow down as it seemed everything was falling apart. But as we were learning, even when things fall apart, work somehow persists. The summer was just terrible.
2: It felt like before June, 2020, I felt like I was in this place. Cause I, before that I was constantly getting these emails, you know, from my liability insurance, like you're a hero. Also, if somebody gets COVID at your office, we won't cover it to help you, but keep doing the good work. So That was wild, but I just kind of really took on this this identity of like, I have to be like the helper here. And then when George Floyd was murdered, everything changed. The National Association of Social Workers, my liability insurance, all of the people that are supposed to care for us as providers, I felt did not respond to that in the way that they should have. At this point, I don't remember how they did, but I'm sure it was just like an email statement and then that was it. And maybe some offerings of cultural competency trainings that you probably had to pay for. Like, I was up all night watching the protests on the news. I got to know Don Lemon really well into the late hours of the night. I couldn't stop watching it. I felt so just like hopeless and stranded.
0: Keisha Sheedy, a higher ed professional turned consultant, turned to writing in an attempt to process and transform her industry in light of George Floyd's death.
4: You know, murder of George Floyd and the Black Lives Matter movement. I could not, not say something about that. As educational leaders, we looked to guidance from the tried and true educational leaders of the past, theorists of the past, people who are important, voices who are important, textbooks that are, or pieces that are seminal and important. However, how many of those are written by the people who are intended to be served that have not historically been served? So we want to, in theory, Reach out and serve communities of folks who have kind of been left behind, yet we're not reading the literature or books or knowledge or using the experiences of those very people that we're trying to serve, which obviously makes no sense. (laughs) I've written things, presented things, and nobody's been paying attention. So it was nice to have people say, wow, that was incredible and impactful. Thank you for sharing. Yet it was also kind of a slap in the face. The 15 years prior of experience that I had in the higher education space, particularly as a Black woman across multiple institutions of different kinds, that still, combined with a master's degree in education, that still was not enough to put me in a space to make real impact in the division or in the organization.
0: Dr. Michael Malarkey was advocating for changes at his internship
5: in the context of the pandemic, and then after George Floyd's murder and the Black Lives Matter protests that followed that and how people responded, it was just, I'll put it this way, the people who I was already thinking, oh man, I don't know if their good intentions are matching up with actions that make any sense. Those people showed who they were in those circumstances. And, And I still have a lot of growing to do, especially when it comes to issues of race. I don't want to just listen and learn. I would like to do more things. And I also think that one of the things that I'm trying to do better is what can I do locally? You know, what can I do in the situation where I'm at? I did try to do things locally at my job. The boss who I had, who was great, she was already doing a bunch of stuff on her own. And we worked together on some things. And I'm proud of that. The residency, we tried to do some stuff. And we put together a list of all the interns were white. And we wanted to recognize that and we wanted to say, you know, is there ways that we can think about structurally to make this internship more accessible to anyone who isn't white? And this is secondhand, take it with a grain of salt, I guess. But I heard that, you know, we had a meeting where basically the meeting was, here are all the reasons we can't do this stuff. And I heard after that the list we had really worked hard to put together in collaboration with each other, what's kind of called by a supervisor who's white a, a manifesto. I think for me, your behaviors betray your priorities. There were a lot of people who held a lot of power who spent a lot of time talking about how they couldn't do anything, and even if it was true, even if they were constrained, and I'm sympathetic to that on some level, the willingness to you know, okay, we've seen the man behind the curtain. It's like, well, like, but no, but like, like things are fine, and like going quote unquote back to normal is not an acceptable thing. Like normal was George Floyd getting murdered in the street. Like normal was lots of people's names who we haven't heard about, I haven't heard about, being discriminated against, constantly feeling unsafe in their work.
0: Danielle Marshall, a strategic advisor and founder of Culture Principles, was just getting her consulting business up and running. It is also as a Black woman
6: being traumatized deeply in that moment by what happened to George Floyd and other people who look like me, right? So I am trying to be strategic and to think logically and my heart is breaking and I am frustrated and I am angry and I am just out of patience with how we are responding to each other as human beings here. so i'm I'm dealing with all of these vast emotions in in this moment. And you add the complication at this point where i'm my phone is, in fact ringing off the hook. But now when I get you on the phone, I can't tell who is who and who is acting in good faith and who is a bad actor. because there were so many companies at that moment, that said, oh, we have to speak out against what's happening, racial injustice and Black Lives Matter and all of this. And I'm like, are you saying the right words and upholding the system? And because so much noise entered the space, it was a profound time of confusion. Not only were
0: there some very real crises, they were impossible to avoid. And yet most of us were still trying or being asked to try to execute our jobs And the challenges there like there was nothing else going on.
5: People can recognize
4: when you actually have to jump into action short term in order to do something. We have a decent sense of those little moments of heroism. But the problem is like when that doesn't stop, when you realize that places will manufacture emergencies after that, there's no putting the genie back in the bottle.
0: I got the sense from almost every one of my conversations that people were more than eager to jump into action as we navigated those initial weeks of the pandemic. And when it became obvious that we needed to tackle issues of racism and equity, I got the sense people were eager to jump into those as well. But there were a lot of challenges in their way. I'm sure at some point, someone will do a robust and comprehensive study on how attitudes towards work have changed and evolved during this time. But from my vantage point, the very real crises that we were witnessing and enduring and encouraged to minimize or ignore brought long simmering tensions, including racism at and beyond work, salary and pay equity, care work, and mental and physical well-being, to the forefront. And perhaps in doing so, it put the manufactured crises of work demands with the increasing workload and the retention issues in perspective. What do you think? What experience made you realize that you're replaceable at work, but not to your friends or family? What were the moments that caused you to rethink your commitment to your work and career? These are not intended to be rhetorical questions. I would love to hear from you. So why don't you find me on Instagram at reimaginingambition. I'll put a link in the show notes and you can send me a DM. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining me this week on Reimagining Ambition. Hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast so you don't miss a single episode. If you'd like to help us share these stories with even more mission-driven listeners, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. And if you stumbled onto Reimagining Ambition because you're ready to explore what's possible for your career and you'd love practical career exploration, job search and resume advice, please check out our private community podcast Off the Clock. It's only available to folks who sign up, so join us at www.workwonderscareers.com/podcast to learn more. You can also follow me on LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter. Check out the show notes for links to those accounts. See you next week.